G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As you are following the ebbs and flows of the battles for political power in Australia, no doubt you will be either elated or deeply concerned about the emergence of the Australian Conservatives political party under the leadership of Senator Cory Bernardi. Well, in just a short time, the Australian Conservatives are making significant inroads into influence in parliaments around Australia. How do things look at the moment? Well, the Australian Conservatives have four MPs. Firstly, there's Senator Cory Bernardi, then two former Family First members in South Australia's parliament, and Dr Rachel Carling-Jenkins in the Upper House in the Victorian Parliament, She recently left the Democratic Labor Party to join the Australian Conservatives. Now there appears to be a new thrust afoot into the state of Queensland this week. Let's get some insights into that move and a special welcome to Senator Cory Bernardi joining us today. Hello, Neil. Good to be with you. Senator Bernardi, uh, you're in Queensland, and is this speculation or have you got your sights set on preparing the Australian Conservatives for a major thrust into the Queensland state election that will come up either later this year or perhaps early next year? Well, firstly, we are intent on building a national presence for Australian Conservatives. That means we want registration in every state and territory of Australia. And so this visit is about uh, meeting with the executive who are organising the party up here to speak with the people on the ground to see what the appetite is. But uh, I can tell you what I told uh, the Sunshine Coast people last night, that we are registering for uh, state um, electoral uh, political registration, and I hope we'll have that done in time for the next state election. So last night, the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. Tonight, you're speaking to a gathering in Toowoomba. Is it indicative that there is a major excitement about you because these meetings are sold out? Well, certainly I'm heartened, uh, and I hope uh, in your intro that many people are excited about the Australian Conservatives because we're trying to put some principle back into politics. We're interested in policies and not personalities. Uh, I think the the political system has been sidetracked in the last 10 years to the detriment of the people of Australia. And I'm yet to find someone who says we're in a better position today, economically or socially or culturally or politically, than we were 10 years ago. And that's got to change. It's got to stop. And, you know, when you think about it, we've had six different prime ministers in the last 10 years, possibly seven by the end of this year. Um, You know, it's not a good recipe. We've got to find a better way. And that's what Australian Conservatives offers. Uh, We'll come back to your thoughts on whether there might be another prime minister by the end of the year. That's obviously very controversial. But uh, but let me just come back to the uh, party formation process, because you have your party registered. You've only just succeeded with registration for the Victorian arm of your party and then uh, the pursuit of that party in Queensland. Uh, Number 
numbers here not a worry either because memberships seem to be quite strong for your Australian uh, conservatives. Yeah, we're very much heartened by that. There seems to be an appetite for uh, what we're offering. Uh, We do have numbers sufficient to register in all states and territories of Australia. In Queensland, there's 500 members that are required and the process is we provide to the Queensland Electoral Commission a list of our members. They then proceed to contact them one at a time until they get to the 500. Um, so you always want a bit of fat in there, but we've got plenty because we've got thousands of members here in, in Queensland that are very supportive, very active and very, very keen to make their presence known. Uh, I mentioned that not everybody's happy with the Australian Conservatives. Some people are saying, what on earth is Cory Bernardi doing? And you might imagine that in Queensland, where there is an embattled LNP, bleeding votes to One Nation, uh, to have the thought that Cory Bernardi's coming onto our turf, uh, this would not be very thrilling for them, would it? Well, it depends on how people want to look at this. Um, in the end, there is a group of people who are disaffected with the major parties and they are not going to vote for them, whether it be Labor or, or the LNP. And so they're looking for an alternative. The question is, for people like me, should I have abandoned those crossbenches or those alternatives to others who perhaps have less principled positions or are, are more erratic in their decision-making processes, or should I provide a credible and principled alternative for them? Now, that was my mission. I've looked at the Senate and I recognise that people there are trading away billions of dollars uh, in, in taxpayer money uh, for their own egos and for their whims. And I said, there's got to be a better way. And wherever I look around the country, I come to the same conclusion. There are There is a requirement and a necessity for principle to be applied to decision-making. People are mightily sick. They're fed up with just an anything-goes mentality in politics. And you know, with us, they know what we stand for. They know the framework in which we view the world. We know what we will all. They know what we will always defend and stick up for, and we will apply those rigorous values and principles into every decision that we take. I mentioned the votes bleeding to One Nation. When you compare yourself with One Nation as an alternative conservative party, what's different about? Corey Bernardi's Australian Conservatives compared to One Nation and a lot of people are moving away from the Liberal National Parties and they're moving towards One Nation. Why would they look at you, Corey Bernardi? I I come back to we are a principled and credible alternative. We're stable and um, the Australian Conservatives is not named after an individual. In fact, I've gone out of my way to say that, you know, we've named it after a group of individuals, those Australians who are conservative, who feel that they've been abandoned. Now, we have a suite of uh, policies that and principles that have stood the test of time. They're not reactionary. They're actually uh, in, I think, Australia's economic, social and cultural interest. They're not, um, uh, you know, uh, as I said, not reactionary, but, but they're, they're consistent and they're mainstream. Now, we share some common ground with One Nation. There's no question about that. We both want, I think, good outcomes for Australia, but we do have a difference in how we approach that. Um, you know, for example, in the Senate in uh, in um, the most recent sitting period, uh, I voted against the unfunded borrowed money uh, that was going into education that had no actual outcomes. There were no specific outcomes, uh, whereas um, other parties on the crossbench voted to support it. 
and the people who are aligned now with the Australian Conservatives coming from a similar values base because you're well known to have a Christian foundation to your beliefs which translates into the way you think about public policy. The people who are gathering around you at this time, are they coming from that Christian conservative base of Australians? It's a great question um, because it's not uniquely from the Christian uh, base, uh, you know, from other parties. And Family First certainly had that element to it. But we're getting people from the DLP. We're getting people from the Labor Party, from the coalition. Some are religious and some are not. But they all are united by the values that we, we stand for. And no one in our party can deny the contribution that the Christian ethos and the Judeo-Christian um, you know, framework has played in our society. That is the basis of our laws. It's our constitution is drafted around that. And we accept that uh, you know, we're not the ultimate beings in the decision-making process. Now, I think that's very healthy. Uh, we need um, servant leadership. We need people to be humbled when they're going about their business. And that's what we try to do. But we try and do it in a principled manner so that when people come to us and ask us our position on something, it might not be particularly popular at the time, but there is a rationale, a logic behind it, and is entirely consistent with the rest of our message. Senator, let me bring you back to that very controversial comment you made, thinking that there might be another Prime Minister by the end of the year. Uh, the ongoing battle between Tony Abbott and Malcolm Turnbull. Uh, Malcolm Turnbull in the UK distancing the Liberal Party from its Conservative roots. And uh, some people were saying, uh, isn't that a crazy thing to do? But what are your thoughts? Uh, what is likely to happen so far as the Prime Minister goes? What's your prediction? It's very hard to predict, with, but I can only read the tea leaves, if I if I could put it like that, based on my uh, 30 years' involvement in the Liberal Party, my 11 years in the Parliamentary Party. I think there seems to be a um, uh, a battle to the death between uh, former Prime Minister Abbott and current Prime Minister Turnbull. Um, the, you know, if you if you what do they say? Live by the sword, you die by the sword, and it seems like the swords are being wielded now. Now, I don't think that's good for politics, quite frankly. I don't think it's good for our country to have a revolving door of prime ministers, and that's what's driving people to seek more credible alternatives. Because every time they elect a prime minister, they seem that, you know, the parliamentary party wants to take it away from them. And uh, it's because they've lost sight of it. The pursuit of power seems to be the end in itself rather than trying to get good positive outcomes for our country. And the proof is in the pudding uh, that we're not better off now than we were 10 years ago. And I think people long for the stability of the Howard era. So you'd be in the camp of the Liberal Party national president saying these guys have to resolve this issue because nobody wins when there's division within the Liberal National Party. Neil, I'm going to apply principle to this. I said it was wrong for them to roll Tony Abbott, uh, not because of any particular affinity I had with Tony Abbott, but because he was a duly elected Prime Minister in his first term. And I said the transaction cost of that would be felt for a very long time. You know, I, I feel no particular affinity for Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull, but I maintain the same status. It is it would be wrong for them to do that for a duly elected Prime Minister in their first term. Um, I think, uh, you know, if you don't learn from the lessons of history, and the history of the Labor Party demonstrates this is going to come to a very bad end for uh, the coalition. And uh, I personally, I would rather see a coalition in government, but with a principled... 
uh, spine in the crossbench in the Australian Conservatives than an alternative. Senator Cory Bernardi is our guest. He's the founder of the Australian Conservatives. Uh, more interesting and informative conversation just ahead. I'm going to ask Senator Bernardi about conservatism in Australia. That's coming just ahead. Stay with us. Privilege today to have a visit from Senator Cory Bernardi, founder of the Australian Conservatives, who has a thrust going on right now into the state of Queensland. Uh, just in these earlier days, the party has been confirmed for Victoria. He's working his way now around the states and getting those bases in place because more state elections are on their way. Uh, Senator Bernardi, as we talk about your role, in the Australian Conservatives. Uh, let me ask you about that word conservative because the Prime Minister has uh, distanced himself in some way from uh, conservatism and championed himself in the role of a centrist. Has he done damage to the Liberal Party in doing that? Well, that's up for Liberal Party voters to decide. But ultimately, the Prime Minister was saying for quite some months that he led a thoroughly conservative government and a traditional cabinet process. That seemed to have changed when he shook the hand of Emmanuel Macron, the French president, who he described as a centrist. Now, Emmanuel Macron was, of course, a minister in a socialist government. He's no centrist. Um, so I'm not sure quite uh, what it means when the prime minister describes himself as a centrist now either. But what I do know is this. The country is crying out for conservative principles to be applied because conservatism is about learning from past mistakes, incremental change, progress in a prudent way, not radical experiments which uh, we've seen in politics in recent years. But it does appear that if you look at the Prime Minister's lead uh, saying he wants to be centrist, uh, that somehow or other he might be saying that being conservative is a little old-fashioned now. Has it become unfashionable to be conservative? Well, um, I would say what I say to young people, outrage your parents, declare yourself to be a conservative. You know, the hippies of yesterday's generation are the conservatives today. Um, so maybe it is unfashionable, but that doesn't make it wrong. Uh, to be a conservative today means you are actually caring about the lessons of the past, and you're going to be mindful of them in making your decisions for the future. Now, I know every parent wants to see a better outcome for their children, but they also know that it's the experiences that they have that can provide that better outcome for them. And that's what we're trying to apply in a principled manner in every decision we make in politics, in public life, just like we'd like to see it happen in every family and every business. Let's turn the blowtorch to the other side of politics. Let's talk about the progressive alternatives, the Labor Party and the Greens. How afraid ought Australians be of a Bill Shorten-led government or even a coalition of Labor and the Greens? I, I think we should be very afraid. Um, just, let's cast our mind back. In 2007, we had zero national debt in this country, we now have uh, in excess of $550 billion. A lot of that is, was implemented under the uh, auspices of the Rudd-Gillard-Rudd governments, but the spending initiatives have continued ever since. There's no sign of that stopping. In fact, it would be worse. We would lose control of our borders and our immigration program. We know that Bill Shorten has sold out workers at the altar of uh, union power. Uh, by doing deals that were not to their advantage. We know that they can't manage money credibly. 
and we know that they're pursuing identity politics and class warfare. That's not the way politics should be in this country. It is a recipe for disaster. Senator, what's changed about you since you left the Liberal Party? What is it that you were not allowed to say then uh, that you can say now? Is there a different Cory Bernardi that people are seeing or is this the same Cory Bernardi who really was outspoken when you were uh, in the ranks of the Liberal Party? But is there something different about you now? Is there something different that listeners might need to know about you if they were intending to put their trust somewhere towards the Australian Conservatives? Well, I haven't changed in the sense that my principles and and values haven't changed at all. What's different now is that uh, I'm not criticised by my own colleagues uh, for saying them and having to remind them of what the uh, the issues they should be dealing with. Uh, what I'm doing now is really working as hard as I possibly can, and uh, I've probably aged 10 years in the last five months, but you know, I'm working as hard as I possibly can to effect a positive change in politics. And we're already seeing elements of that uh, in, in the approach that other pol- pol- politicians or political parties are taking. You know, Some of the principled stances that we're making are resonating very strongly with the community, whether it be about accountability for, for government money, whether it be about, you know, prudent uh, taxation reform or, or um, you know, helping small businesses. The energy reform issue is a massive one because, you know, the government policies have been responsible for the unaffordable electricity crisis that we have, and it's brewing. Um, and so we are putting the pressure on them to fix that. Now, that's a positive change. I feel empowered by it because I know the Australian people are desperate for it. Let's get a quick response or two on some of the big social agenda issues. Uh, Where are you standing and what are you thinking very quickly about the marriage plebiscite at the moment? Well, I don't support uh, redefining marriage at all. The parliament has determined on 16 different occasions not to support uh, redefinition of marriage. Uh, The left won't take no for an answer, so the only way to resolve it is to take it to a plebiscite where I think it would be roundly defeated. And I think uh, the Australian people are innately conservative and don't want to redefine marriage for 1% of the population. Electricity prices are going through the roof in some areas. What are your thoughts on electricity prices? Well, they have to come down. It's this three-pronged attack to this. One is the um, electricity market has been gamed and manipulated by the power companies. Secondly, the poles and wires, the contracts that various governments have got into with those is working to against the Australian people. In South Australia, it's 50% of your electricity bill or thereabouts that is responsible for that. But thirdly, we are, uh, the Australian Conservatives are entirely uh, electricity generation agnostic. We don't believe it should be subsidised by government. We're happy to let anyone come in, build the power stations that they want to build because Australians deserve the cheapest and most reliable electricity anywhere in the world. We've got an abundance of resources for it. What we've got is government standing in the way. And let's go with one more very quickly. Uh, Climate change, the Paris Accord. Is there an Australian Conservative's position on that? Uh, there is. The Australian Conservatives believe we should be getting out of it. I mean, the Paris Accord is useless without uh, you know, the American participation. But more broadly, you know, climate change is happening. It's entirely natural. Uh, it is not driven, being driven by anthropogenic global warming. I believe it is one of the greatest uh, socialist scares that we've had in the history of this world. 
and nothing Australia does is going to change the climate in one way, shape or form. Senator Cory Bernardi, the founder of the Australian Conservatives, thanks so much for taking some time to update us today and uh, all the best for your travels throughout the state of Queensland as you're looking to form the base of Australian Conservatives in that state. Thank you. Thank you very much, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.